Welcome to Journey South Bay. Thank you for inviting us in to listen to God's Word. Take a moment to get comfortable, sit back, and relax as we listen to today's message. This morning our passage is in Mark 12. Uh, we're starting in verse 41 and be reading through verse 44. Really short from what we normally have been doing. But um, I'll go ahead and read it for us this morning. and says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. You may be seated. Um, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years um, since 9-11. And uh, leading up to the anniversary of that and even yesterday, uh, my wife and I both read a lot, just a lot of testimonies and stories. I think um, those have probably been what have stood the test of time to continually hear from. And if you've not read it, one of the most powerful um, testimonies and stories is uh, Todd B uh, Beamers, the man who was on Flight 93 and was on the phone with um, an operator reporting that the plane had been hijacked and finds out in real time what has actually happened around the country and realizes what they probably need to do because the plane is about 20 minutes from Washington, D.C., potentially taking out the White House for the Capitol. And uh, as he begins to realize what he's going to do, he asks the woman to pray with him. And they pray the Lord's Prayer and then Psalm 23. And as you read that, there's an amazing power uh, that moves you into um, to want to believe something more, to want to grab something uh, to the point you're willing to risk your life, to believe in it, to give yourself for it. And, and as I read some of those things, what it just really dug down deep in me is the incredible power that personal stories have for us in the world. And the power of testimony is almost the most powerful thing that we can share and hear and learn in the world. Uh, one author said this, sometimes a single phrase of testimony can set events in motion that affect someone's life for eternity. Now, I want you to think about this. In the Gospel of Mark that we just read, Mark was putting together uh, through eyewitnesses of Jesus, a case for you to believe in Jesus and for people to be willing to throw off everything in the midst of Roman persecution and to follow this man. And as he wanted to put together a pretty succinct account of this guy's life, they were talking and putting this together, and one of the th moments that they had to say was that story about that little old woman in the temple, you have to put that in there. That little testimony of that woman and what she did and what Jesus noticed has to be in there 
not just to move us to generosity, but to compel us to even turn over our very lives to follow this man. And so here's what I want to look at with you this morning. We're on the heels of sort of a two-week look at the idea of generosity and giving. That this woman's testimony, uh, the scriptures found compelling and powerful for us to look at to begin to draw this into our lives. And so let's just notice two things about her testimony. One, the freedom that she has in giving. And then two, the power to be able to give like she gave. So first of all, the freedom in giving. Now, when Jesus, here's the scene. Uh, They're in the temple, and all sorts of people are walking up to the money box at the front of the temple, uh, displaying their gifts publicly. And uh, all sorts of wealthy religious teachers are giving. And then this uh, little old woman comes and puts in her gift. And Jesus, Jesus notices something. And what he notices and begins to teach here is really shocking teaching. And, it, and it's shocking because it almost it presses back against um, all of our paradigms for thinking that Christianity is a cult. You know what I mean? Where um, this is one of the largest accusations of religious institutions, um, churches around the country, especially if you're not regularly a part of something like this, is that um, cr- people assume that Christianity just wants you to get involved because they just want your money. That is, uh, give your life to Jesus and then give us all of your money. Uh, there was a TV show like 15 years ago. Um, on NBC uh, called 30 Rock, and uh, in, in the uh, TV show, um, Alec Baldwin plays this character, Jack Donaghy, who's got all sorts of massive problems, um, uh, very messed up life, and you begin to learn in this one episode that a lot of it is traced to his uh, poor relationship with his father. He doesn't have much of a relationship with his father. So his father, played by Alan Alda, shows up. And they have this uh, hard time connecting at first, but then the episodes kind of play some jokes on it, and they begin to uh, connect towards the end of the show, and finally, Alan Alda embraces him and says, Jack, I'm so glad we have met. I've always wanted to reconnect with my son. This is perfect. Now I'm going to need your kidney. And it's sort of this, uh, hey, yeah, welcome back into my life. Give me something dear to you. And that's how so many people assume Christianity is after resources. But this teaching in this text is actually the exact opposite. Because what you have are people giving large sums of money, the wealthiest part of the society, putting in exorbitant gifts, and you have this woman who puts in two mites, basically two pennies, and Jesus looks at her and says, that's the one who understands me. That's the one who gets the kingdom, and that's the one who understands a Christian view of generosity. Now, why does he think that she gave more? Well, it tells us in verse 44 when he says this, for all they contributed, talking about uh, the religious leaders and the wealthy, they contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty and has put everything she had, all she had to live on. 
Uh, Bill Lane in his commentary, he says that, that the wealth he gave out of their superfluidity, and she gave out of her nothingness. Now, what does this mean? Jesus is not necessarily here trying to teach a pattern of what giving looks like, as if true kingdom giving means impoverishing yourself or giving everything that you have to live on. What he's doing is he's tapping into something we looked at last week, and the Bible talks about consistently when it brings up the idea of the kingdom of God. He's doing the same thing that Samuel did when he went and found King David. That is, what the world will do is get you distracted by all sorts of impressive things over here and here and here. And man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And what Jesus is highlighting here for the idea of giving is he is saying that this woman, her gifts are what the kingdom of God is about because her heart is different. And the heart is always the measure of what a gift is because the heart is always tied to the gift. And she loves Jesus more because it's more costly. See, this is, what, this is the principle that we have to understand. Love exhibited often in gifts is almost only love if it's costly. It's teaching us this, this, and this is really pressing against us. A love that never hurts is probably not love. And God consistently comes to us and says, love me. Love me not just with your words, Love me not just with your thoughts. Love me with your actions and your possessions and everything you have. And if that has never hurt you to do that, what Jesus is pressing against you is to say, maybe it's never been love. And this woman's testimony is a bit scary to us, right? It's a bit unnerving. It's because as Americans, we are obsessed with doing anything and everything that we can to live a disappointing life. That is, giving things away for us are always sort of hedged bets, you know? They're like, I'll give as long as it won't cost me what I think will be the fulfilling life. Or I'll cut away to get into this tax bracket so that I, I, at least I give it away to something that I feel better about. But we're terrified to reduce what we're already doing in life out of the fear that the life that we'll be living if we give stuff away will disappoint us. You know, you 2 the, the Irish band, has a song where they have a lyric that says this, for you can only truly own what you can give away. It's a profound lyric because they're saying this. Whatever you can't give up, you don't own it. 
It owns you. I want you to think about this. Have you, have you ever thought in your fear of giving stuff away, out of a, out of a, a fear that it will be, lead you to this disappointing life, that you're not, you're not going to live a disappointing life if you reduce what you're living on? Have you ever thought that what you're trying to live on and not give away is actually a disappointing life? And that you're actually missing out on the very thing that God promises you is how you find life. In making Him the ultimate love and treasure of your life. See, here's the existential thought for this text. What if the greatest joy and the ultimate way to happiness is at the most costliest actions you can find in life? That is, you can discover an unmeasured and untapped joy, not by avoiding costly things, but by entering into them. Reinhold Messner, born in 1944, northern Italy, he's famously known as the greatest mountaineer of the 20th century. He was the first person to hike Mount Everest without supplemental oxygen in 1978. He went up there, conquered the mountain, came back down physically ailed, nearly to death, mentally gone. And he was asked, why did you go up there to die? And he said, I didn't. I went up there to live. See, what the world will tell you is that the higher you climb, on the mountain of generosity and costliness in the way that you're living your life will kill you. But what Jesus is trying to teach us here through this woman's life is that the higher that you climb on this costly mountain, and it will be costly, and it will hurt, you will not go up there to die. You will go up there to finally live. Christian Smith, the... um, philosopher, he's a Christian philosopher, um, aptly named, uh, in his book, The Paradox of Generosity. He says that people who empty themselves in generosity report consistently that they feel more full because of it. Because generosity, he says, reduces maladaptive self-absorption. It reduces anxiety about the future because it requires and reinforces the perception of living in a world of abundance and blessing. He concludes, generosity is paradoxical. By spending ourselves for others' well-beings, we enhance our own standing. In letting go of some of what we own, we better secure our own lives. By giving ourselves away, we move ourselves towards flourishing. This is not only philosophical or Christian teaching, it is a sociological fact. Look, what, what do you sacrifice for with no effort? You know, where does your money go without even a second thought? Because that, that's what you truly love. And, and what the Bible consistently is, is, is trying to say to us is that if you give yourself to God, 
fully at the cost of the things of this world, you will actually find yourself and become everything that God has designed you to be and promised you life was meant to be. And he, what He wants to do is to free you like this woman, to be able to not just do that begrudgingly or even out of commands, but in total freedom. Look, this, this woman, she's not obeying a command. There, there is no command to walk into the temple and to give at this level. But what she's doing, as she's, I mean, there's so much irony in the way Mark wrote this, because as she is putting in everything she had to live on, she's actually getting everything that she does need to live on. The full joy and presence of God. See, if you were designed to experience His glory, and it comes at you losing your life to find your life, then there is no way, better way to taste that than at the freedom of to begin to give away in a way that is costly. And what this woman's testimony is, is trying to flip upside down is that living a life that is costly, it's not slavery, it's freedom. Now secondly, how do you begin to do that? How do you get the power to, to live at a costly level like that? Because if we look at our testimony and we just try to pull up our bootstraps and do this, it will always be a limit on what we think we can tap into. But this, this woman is not, she's not looking at a ceiling, she's not looking at a mount, she's looking at what will give her more of God. And that's what you're aiming for. And in order to experience freedom at a costly level, you have to remember that love is expensive. And if you want to be able to love like this, then you have to experience costly love yourself. Now, Mark is hinting at something really profound here when he tells us uh, what's going on with this woman and why her giving the woman who nobody noticed is so profound. See, this text comes on the heels of several questions that are actually instructive uh, to what we learn here about this woman. Uh, one of the previous texts, if you have your Bible open, uh, just one or two pericopes before, uh, Jesus has asked this question in the temple, uh, whose son is the Christ? That is, they say, whose son will the Messiah be? And what the question is sort of asking is that people thought that the king, the Messiah himself, would be somebody who overthrows Rome. That he would be this magnificent military warrior who would come in and overthrow all of the persecution, all of the oppression, all of the things that really enslave us. And when a king would, would do this, what would happen is a king would overthrow the enemy of his people, and then they would have this massive celebration. 
where the king would process in and people would throw him gifts and honor him as the king. But when Mark puts these two sort of things together, here's what he's drawing out that you'll see later on in the gospel account, is that Jesus is a totally different type of king. That he's not going to be this kind of king who overthrows Rome and has gifts thrown at him. He's going to be the kind of king who lays down his life to Rome and doesn't have gifts thrown at him, but presents himself as the gift by being the gift. And the gift that he will present himself with is as insignificant as this little woman. It's an amazing, subtle testimony. And, and, and what we're again learning here is that generosity is ultimately a gospel story. That if, if you want the power to be set free, what you desperately need is to look into the heart of the gospel. Because what Jesus is saying is this woman, it took all of her possessions, it took everything she owned for her to love me. But it's going to take everything of me to love you. And unless you understand that Christianity works this way. It's not you present your gifts to God and you present your gifts and you present your costly sacrifices and then he accepts you, but that it's he comes after us and he lays down his life and he gives himself utterly to us without us even asking for it and how that precedes anything that we have and are called to do then giving, you know what it will be? It will always be done with stingy, gritted teeth and done in guilt or in pride. But what the gospel does, and this woman's life gives us, is it gives us incredible power to be able to give out of love and out of hope. I mean, again, it's really profound where Mark's putting this So one of the questions asked to Jesus even before this is they ask him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And we should look at this another time, but Jesus blows their paradigms away when he says the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor, excuse me, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love him with everything. And what he's doing there with this woman is he is saying what real generosity is, is to love me with all you are. And what God will do is love us with all of he is first in order to get us to love us, him, with all that we have. You know, money is ultimately a form of power. And it's amazing how this woman just like Jesus on the cross, seems to have no power, but actually is the full display of kingdom power because she's not owned by anything in this world, but is completely set free to give her everything away and to love her her God, her true love, with everything that she has, 
which is the essence of kingdom power. And if you want to love that way, if you want to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you've got to know that he loved you that way and gave himself fully to you. We looked at this last week with the way that Paul says it. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Look, Jesus, he had cosmic wealth, and he sacrificially gave it all up for your sake to make you fully rich in him. And if you want to love him with all that you have, you've got to know how much he loved you with all that he had and gave himself up fully for you before you were ever ready to give yourself at all in a little way to him. And when you, to the degree that you see him giving, giving himself for you, look, it will so free you from any guilt, any pride, any shame that you, that you think needs to compel you into giving, but free you to go, I want to give this to a God who loves me from the top to the bottom all the way. Therefore, I want to give him anything that I have from the bottom back to the top. But the, you know, the other thing with this woman is she's set free to love, but she's also empowered with hope. Because she's a widow. In that culture, she would have had no status. No one to take care of her. No one to give her money. No one to provide meals for her, homes for her, How in the world do you give to that degree when you've got nothing else to stand on? A couple passages before this, one of the other questions Jesus has asked in Mark 12 is the Sadducees come to him, and they want to disprove the resurrection. They come and they say, hey, Jesus, okay, this, uh, this man had a wife, and uh, he died. Now, in Old Testament law, the law was his brother had to marry her to take care of uh, her and provide for her. And then he died. And then his brother married her, and so forth and so forth and so forth, till she went through all seven brothers. Okay, so you believe in heaven. When she gets to heaven, hey, who's going to be this woman's husband. And Jesus goes, nobody. And they're like, huh, why? And he says, because there's not going to be marriage in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that text for the first time, I remember thinking, yay. (laughs) Heaven sounds like this just fun place where we're just all friends. (laughs) How exciting. But, but it can't be that. Because Jesus then looks at these people and he says, you don't know the power of God. And, and Tom Wright in his commentary, he says this so profoundly. He says, you know why no one will be given in marriage at heaven? Because at the moment of heaven, you will be married. To a degree of intimacy and power and love and safety that this world will never offer you.
And what that means is even a little widow who has nothing to stand on can give herself fully away because this woman understood what was coming. She knew when Jesus said that to the Sadducees in the temple that if that's true, that one day I'll never have to worry again that nobody in this world takes care of me and nobody in this world loves me and nobody in this world is going to provide another meal for me and care for me and hug me and walk me home at night, that I'll dance in eternity in my husband's arms, then these two things that I have and all I have is nothing. And she just dropped it in. Do you have that power in your life? Or do your possessions have power over you? I'll tell you about somebody who was set free. Her name was Fanny Mulder. When, uh, when she died in her apartment, simple possessions. All they found were two sweaters, 19 gowns, one pair of slippers, five pairs of socks, a purse, a mirror, some reading glasses, a toothbrush, her Bible, a hymn book, and money. She'd drawn up a will that she would like to invest all of her possessions in what God is doing in the world. So she left everything she had to Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. A dime and two pennies. And in the administration building of that seminary, framed in the hallway, is her will and that dime and those two pennies. Kent Hughes, professor there, talking about that woman, in this woman's text, said this once Down through the ages, those two minuscule coins have multiplied into billions and billions for God's work as humble people have been liberated to give from their little. What the church needs is not larger gifts, but gifts given with the spiritual quality of that poor widow. That's what Jesus is after this morning. Don't you want to be set free and be empowered to say, nothing owns me in this world but my Savior who died and gave himself fully for me. Let's be a church who can be set free like that. Let me pray for us. Jesus, Lord, we live in an affluent country in an affluent world. And we don't want it to have power over us. Lord, we want testimonies like Todd Beamer. We want testimonies like this woman. Thank you for this sweet, dear, wonderful widow whose life was so beautiful. Maybe only her name is worthy to be known by you. Lord, set us free from her story. Help us to create other stories to empower people, Lord, to just 
to give their, their amounts for the sake of what you're doing continually in this world. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. If you enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to the RSS podcast feed. This will let you know when a new message has been posted. You can also look for us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram at Journey South Bay. Until next time, God bless.